I feel radiant when I live in that freedom he has for me and I stop performing. You know, that ultimately the things that don't get resolved this side of heaven get resolved on the other side of heaven Mm -hmm. and that that's hopeful to me. To me, the radiance of Christ is like a friend that tells you the truth and lifts your face. Jesus, to me, what what he came here and what what he did for all of us, that was the, the physical embodiment of God's grace. Hey, you. Do you find yourself on the search for conversations that point you back to Jesus in the midst of a lot of noise? Here's the thing. You were made to shine. And when you look to Christ and follow him boldly, you radiate his love to the world around you. I want this space to be a safe place to run when you need to hear real truth. So we'll have conversations that will encourage and equip you to stand strong in your life, work, and relationships. Around here, we'll have chats full of both grit and grace, discipline and rest, theology and compassion, accountability and kindness. If you've had enough of fear, shame, comparison, then good. You are in the right place because none of those things will find a home here. So buckle up because I'll be gathering my favorite new friends and some old ones to bring you inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom that will help blend what you love with the Jesus who makes you shine. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and I want to welcome you to the Radical Radiance Podcast. Do you ever get to the end of a podcast and think, I'm just not done with that conversation? Girl, me too. And I love hearing from you about how the show is encouraging you and what God is stirring up in you as a result. And I really wanted the opportunity to connect one-on-one with more of you. So that's why I've created a Radical Radiance Patreon community. Patreon is an online platform that hosts bonus content and provides creators a way to hang out with their audience in a more intimate way. Here's how we're going to use it. There are three tiers, the bestie tier, which will include access to the platform and extra conversations with all our guests that only Patreon besties will get to hear. These questions will not be shared on your podcast platform. Then there's the VIP party tier. This includes the bestie tier access and you get invited to a monthly VIP party on Zoom where we get to hang out, get to know one another better and do some coaching in a group session. Finally, there is the calling coach tier and this tier you'll be able to access the previous tiers plus have a 30 minute coaching call per month with me to talk about anything podcast, ministry or career related. How fun does this sound? So come on over to Patreon by downloading the app or visiting patreon.com and search Radical Radiance. I cannot wait to meet you inside the community. I'm so happy to be back with you today with another amazing conversation. Today, we get to talk with one of my favorite authors, Lisa Whittle. We had Lisa on the show when Jesus Over Everything came out, and she has a new message releasing this fall called The Hard Good. You guys are going to love her perspective, her story, her wisdom, and just biblical perspective that she attacks everything she does with. And 
man, this conversation is meaty. It's weighty. It matters to all of us. And so I'm so excited to share it with you. Help me welcome back our good friend, Lisa Whittle, to the show. Lisa, I am so thrilled to have you back today. Thank you so much for being with me. I am glad to be back too. Oh, this is so fun. It's I want people to hear this on the air. I told you before we started, but I just am so grateful for the work that you and Allie Worthington have been doing over at Called Creatives. And it's it's fun to get to have a conversation with you on the other side of signing a book deal, which feels Aww. so fun. And congrats. I think it's one of those things like I want you and Allie both to know um, you've had a marked impact on that. Like God has mm. used you in your in different ways, because you you all are so different, which I love that you guys collaborate <laughs> together because you couldn't be more different. But what you bring to the table for writers and speakers is just such a gift. And it's been such a gift to me and my ministry. Um, and I know that I know that this is fruit of what you guys are doing. So I want you to hear Aww. that. and I want my people to hear that because um, you're one of the people that's spoken into my life. So I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Thank you. Gosh, means a lot. So fun. Well, I feel like I just blinked since our last time together. We <laughs> talked when Jesus Over Everything released, and we we just got to chat a little bit about goodness. These releases came just back to back, and I can't think of a better message to follow up Jesus Over Everything than this book that you have releasing now called The Hard Good. And um, man, I just could not wait to get my hands on it because you know, what I don't expect you to remember and my listeners will know is I'm a pastor's wife. I've been married about Mm -hmm. two years and I will just, I just want to say, Lisa, like your words and your style have always related to me over the last couple of years, especially since I married a pastor and I've walked Mm -hmm. into a different season of ministry and with your upbringing and just your perspective, I'm just grateful for it. So there were so many Mm -hmm. spaces in this book that just, um, just really meant a lot to me. So mm, I'm thank so, you. I'm so excited to talk about them today. And I know that this goodness, this couldn't have been an easy book to write. <laughs> Was it? No, I don't know how to write easy books, honestly. <laughs> um, it's a little bit of a curse. Um, and I certainly do remember that you're a pastor's wife. I um yeah, it was a hard book to write. It was, this probably was, I, I think I say this other times too. So don't ignore what I'm getting ready to say, but I think this was the hardest book I've ever written. Yeah. Um, but I will, I will probably stand by that statement, maybe always, because it was definitely hardest in the sense that I, I pulled out my deepest, most tender stories that I, I I don't know if I even thought, oh, I'm going to share that story one day. In fact, I know mm-hmm. I didn't think that about several in particular that are flying through my mind right now. But, um, you know, my philosophy always in sharing stories is they have to serve a bigger purpose than just, oh, this would, you know, insert story here, that would work. They have to have a bigger purpose or I'm so private that I have no need to tell anybody anything really. And so it really has to have, it really has to serve the reader um, and and more. It has to serve the the body of Christ in the kingdom of God. So I, I pulled out some stories here that I didn't ever really intend to, to, to share and were really tender. So it was a very hard book for me to write. There were many tears um, when I wrote this book more than ever, 
but it's not a memoir. It's also very true to my teaching style. It so really if you've is. ever read yeah. any of my books, you know, it's, we're, we're going to be very practical because I am a pragmatist. So mm-hmm. I, I approach my faith practically. That's why I am yeah. so sure about Jesus because mm-hmm. I look at it from a practical angle. I look at him from a practical angle and that's why I believe in him so much. Yeah. Yeah. I think another reason I've told you this before, but I think another reason I love you so much is you teach just like my husband. He's also an eight. <laughs> and so I just, I can understand your style so easily because I spend 24 seven with somebody <laughs> very similar to you. And so I love that. Uh, yeah. So I loved, I loved it so much. And, you know, one of the things I love, we're going to get into the book next. This is an aside, but I appreciate about you that you don't just flippantly share. That's one of the things that I think you lead us in so well. And you've even challenged me in as you kind of reach behind you and, and pull us along who, who are walking into ministry kind of in the next generation. Um, because I probably have the opposite personality of like, I'm just an open book. I'll share whatever. <laughs> and, and so I want to have wisdom in that. Like I want that to be led by the Holy spirit and I want that to be, um, right and good when I share parts of my life in the books that I write one day. And so, um, you know, as I read, I, I knew, and I could trust, like, she spent some time with God seeking, like what he truly wants her mm-hmm. to share in this book. And I knew that that was the case. And so I'm grateful for that. Thank you. Um, so you kind of open the book and I, I love this in, with a section called why I hope you read this book, which I think yeah. is great. And you mention. Yeah that you prayed for many years that God would develop these different characteristics and fruits of the spirit in you, things like humility, love, kindness. And through these prayers, God often led you down a path of difficulty as he sometimes does. And you call it on the ground training to transformation, which I think is like the best definition for sanctification that I've ever heard. <laughs> and, um, you know, before we get deep into the the book, I'd love for you to just kind of set the tone for listeners of, you know, what do you mean by the hard good? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, for me, um, it, it really has come from that place of like, God, I, I, I want to be a better person. I want to be a better Lisa. I don't want to be so reactionary. I don't want to be, um, I want to be better than the, than the, than the person I'm currently being. And there just has been this frustration of, um, you know, I, I, I believe I have it in me because you created me and I know that you can do anything. I can't, but you can. And so how, how do I get there? Because I want to believe I can just read a book on it, but I've read books on humility and I don't tend to be more humble. Um, no, no offense to the book. They had great principles in them. But I just know that I'm a tough case. So for me, a book doesn't, the, on a subject like that doesn't usually help me. So what do I need to do? And um, the hard good became very clear to me that, that there is a process, that there's a process through, these, through life of these highest character building, um, you know, ultimate spiritual development things that happen. And we can kind of go one of two ways. It's we can either become overwhelmed and overcome by these hard things in our life. And it's not just hard things that happen to us. That certainly is a part of life, but also hard things within ourself that need to be worked out. Feelings of jealousy, 
um, you know, hard situations where we want to listen to other people, but God is drawing us to do something else. And so there's, there's this conflict, this inner conflict. So it's just, it's hard things that, that happen either to us in our life or within us. And we can go one of two ways. We can either become overwhelmed by it and say, my life is so hard. I just don't know what to do and spend our life just spinning our wheels, talking about how life is so hard, or we can say, what, what can God do with this? And through this thing that maybe I never wanted this thing that I would wish away, whatever the case may be. And I don't know, I, again, I'm such a pragmatist that I'm thinking to myself, if hard things in life are going to come, and I know they are based on scripture, that's a scriptural promise, then I would prefer to have them matter in some way. Mm -hmm. I I just, I cannot possibly think of going through my life without these hard things producing something. They just can't be for naught. And, um, and God showed me clearly in scripture. And that's how the whole book came about as I was studying the word, studying first Samuel nine, which is what the whole hard, good Bible study is all about. And I was studying King Saul a picture of what looks like when you don't allow God to use the hard things in your life to shape you. And I thought, I don't want to be that. I don't want that to be me. And that's really what the book, how it happened. Yeah. Yeah. You know, as I read chapter one, I really kind of found myself lost in a story that I think we can all relate to. The chapter is called accepting something you wish were something different. And I just pulled a statement that I think I think as we can all relate to, you say, I'm happy that they're happy, but I'm not happy that everyone's hearts seem to be faring better than my own. And I think we've all sat in a moment like that at some point in our lives. And you share that often we have this mindset that maybe if we just reject a hard thing or we, you know, deny it, you know, long enough, somehow in our minds, we prevent them from becoming true, even though that's not the case. So how do we begin to take those steps forward towards acceptance? Well, I think we have to understand the difference between preference and acceptance, because I think a lot of us are are, are thinking to ourselves, well, I didn't prefer this. I didn't want this. So in order for me to accept it, I am somehow conceding that it was something that I preferred or that I even think it's okay or that I'm endorsing it in some way. And so I think we have to begin to realize that acceptance is really all about the choice for freedom in our life. And it is ushering in sort of this precious practicality uh, of saying, I'm no longer going to buy into this false belief that I can control something, especially something that's already happened, (laughs) something that's already happened. And if I reject it, what I end up doing is put myself in a position of constant turmoil where I am fighting something that I don't even have. I don't have the spiritual power. I don't have the physical power. I have no power in which to actually redo or undo or cause or whatever the case may be. And so acceptance is really about uh, saying, I don't want this thing to take up any more of my life. I'm going to accept that I cannot change it. And of course I, I, I talk about the, the 
um, serenity prayer in that chapter, because it's so powerful for us to accept the things that we cannot change. Mm. And also the wisdom uh, to live untroubled, which is, is very much a scriptural concept. Living untroubled is different than just living with this sort of like, okay, um, I'll just kind of deal with it. Uh, that, that's a very, that's a, that's a Jesus idea, not Lisa Whittle or any kind of philosopher's idea. So it, it's important that we understand what we're really doing here when we're accepting something. It's really, we are choosing freedom. We are not choosing to endorse something that we still don't prefer. Yeah. And that's really yeah. important. Yeah. It reminds me of the freedom that comes when we forgive other people. Like yeah. what the freedom that you're talking about is the freedom that I feel when I am forgiving someone. So if somebody's trying to imagine like, what would that feel like to accept something you wish were different? Like, what does it feel like when you apologize or when you accept an apology or when you truly forgive somebody? And that just kind of reminds me of that same, whoo, it's like a weight off my shoulders. I don't have to carry that anymore. You know? Well, yeah. And you were talking about you, the reason, you know, you were talking about that story that's in the beginning. I illustrate that by sharing my own personal story about a moment when I was pushing back in my heart so much with accepting this new person into my life. When my beloved father, who was my favorite person on earth, went to heaven. And then I'm, I'm being asked to accept uh, someone new into my life in that fatherly role. And did I prefer it? No. (laughs) Did I ask for it? No. Do I still wish that I had my dad? Yes. But I I knew that accepting it would set my own heart free. And I've been a person, I can speak so much to this from personal experience because there's a part of, of me. And I think there's a part of so many people that feel like I can somehow control something I didn't want to have happen. Mm-hmm. Still, if I just push it back and keep saying, nope, 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 nope. And, you know, I've had emails since this first chapter became something free people could download. And they've said, you know what, I've had such tragedy in my life. And what I didn't realize was the missing piece was accepting, accepting it. And I, it's really important. That's so huge. So huge. Hey friends, just a quick break in today's episode to tell you all about one of our sponsors, the Shine Bright Journal. This is a free resource to help you walk through scripture and learn about what it looks like to radiate the love of Christ. We'll look at the fruits of the spirit, what the church is supposed to look like, and so much more. You will have room to dive into scripture, pray, journal, all the things. And I hope it's such an encouragement to you. So go grab it today for free by heading over to RadicalRadiance.live. Now, back to our conversation. Well, if that wasn't powerful enough. There's so many other chapters that I just, I remember screenshotting the table of contents a couple months ago and sending it to a couple girlfriends. And I was like, she's coming in hot. Like this is, (laughs) I was so excited to read it after I just looked at the table of contents. And one of the other chapters that I could just relate to so much was cheering for someone when they get what we want. And I'm sort of coming out of this season, like we talked about with pursuing, you know, my first book deal and things like that. And for the last couple of years, I've watched with joy. So many of my friends take that, take that first step. 
and like the wondering if it would ever be my turn and you know, all of that. And I, and before that I was getting married and all my friends were getting married. Right. So we're always in those seasons where other people are getting things that we want. And so you, one of the things that I loved and I want people to grab the book and read this portion because it was really helpful to me. You share about two different ways of reacting that we typically react. So there's the front end reactor and there's the back end reactor. And when I read yeah. the back end reactor portion, I almost giggled because that's so me. Like I've always challenged myself, like say the kind thing, say the joyful thing, like speak up and like cheer loud for your people. And then like, we can process it later. Like I'm a, <laughs> so I'm a great compartmentalizer. I'll be whatever you need me to be in the situation. Sure. Specific to this, I, that was really helpful to me. And you say he can give someone something beautiful and give you something different, beautiful at the same time. Yeah. Um, that's so good. But like for the girl who's listening today and she just planned another bachelorette party or what? Right. Like, how does she take, start taking those steps towards that? Yeah. Look, the reason it's in the book is because it's hard. That's, that's, I mean, that, that's, I, I think, and I say this in the chapter, we have to acknowledge this stuff. Like the one thing I am not a proponent of is denial. And I feel like, you know, I want the church to disciple better in this way, rather than trying to talk women out of our feelings of jealousy and our feelings in this way which has been historically a lot of the way that we've dealt with this. It's like, now you shouldn't feel jealous, but what if you do? Like, what if you are, you know, what do you do with that? And I think it's, I think we can be better than that. I think we can say, this is a human feeling that comes up because we are flesh. (laughs) We do sin and this things arise within us. It is very hard when you have labored, you have worked hard. Maybe even you deserve it more than someone else. If you just look at it on paper, maybe you're a harder worker. Maybe they just kind of got lucky. I mean, these, this is part of life, man. I'm not afraid to say that. So I, I feel that, you know, you might be the, the most, you might be the most beautiful candidate for, marriage and you really want that and you would be in a fantastic wife and you and you're thinking to yourself why am I planning a bachelorette party for someone else and I want to be married and I would be a fantastic wife listen I don't I don't come with an answer for that because I don't have an answer for that I don't know everybody's circumstances what I know is the feeling of watching other people get what you want and I know that it's hard and I knew it needed to be included what I can tell you is that the the remedy for myself that I've watched happen in those moments is wild generosity that you choose. And um, does it feel like death to your soul at the moment? Yes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it feels like you are literally walking the plank, walking the plank into this water. And you're like, here I go. I'm choosing to walk the plank. But let me tell you though, what's on the other side of that is setting yourself free. Again, it is one of those things where, um, and it gets better. It also makes your heart feel uh, unburdened in a way that as you fight against whatever's happening that you can't control anyway. I mean, someone is going to get chosen for something else anyway. And what are you going to do about it? You're going to, you know, pick it. You're going to, you know, send a letter. You're going to, you know, what happens is we become bitter. We feel entitled. 
we all know this feeling because it's happened to all of us. We, we then are become less free ourselves to create. We, we become a, a more sullen person. We become less attractive. And I don't even, I don't mean physically attractive, but I think it shows on our face. Yeah. So we are, people are less attracted to us because we don't have that joy. And so is it easy? No, but will I, what I will say, and I share in the book, a story of a time where someone I was, I was jealous of her because of her capabilities in a moment where I, I had to follow her capabilities. And I thought I'm not going to be as good as her. I'm just not going to be, but the Lord prompted me to do something wildly generous. I didn't want to do it because I didn't want her to be any better than what she was already going to be. And it changed me. It changed me profoundly. And I realized at that moment, oh, this is what I have to do. I have to take the beast on the minute it starts to overtake me. And I think that's one thing that we don't realize about our feelings. We think, well, I'm just a victim here. They're just going to overwhelm me. I'm just doomed to my jealousy. And um, it's not true. It's not true. We have the power of God within us to be able to take those things on. And we're going to have to choose to do it at first because it won't come natural. Yeah. And I honestly can't think of a time where I put my my pride or my jealousy aside and I truly acted out of generosity and joy for the other person. And that didn't change me. I, I can't think of a time right. that's not true. Right. 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 And, you know, I've I think I've shared this story before on the podcast, but I, so I moved from a city that I have known and loved my whole life, Knoxville, Tennessee, when I married and moved down to a town of 12,000 people in this, in South Mississippi when we got married and became a pastor's yeah. wife and all the things. And on paper, I got everything I was looking for, right? Like I got married. I was in this new season of ministry, all the things. And about a year after I moved there here, I went back to visit my family, which I do often, but I was, I happened to be by myself in my car driving through my old neighborhood where I used to live when I was single and I lived alone and I was meeting a friend for dinner. And it was the first time Lisa that I had been alone in what used to be my old home. Mm -hmm. And so I just remember stopping at this point on the Tennessee river. I used to run there all the time. I, I did life there and I just wept over like, all God did in that season that I totally missed. Yeah. When I, when I was a bridesmaid in nine different weddings and I was so annoyed because everybody was having their turn and, and all the things like I was discipling girls in and out of my front door all day long that went to the university of Tennessee. I had the sweetest season of ministry there and I'm so thankful for what God did there. But like how much of it did I miss? Because I had yeah. my eyes on, you know, what I was looking for or whatever. And so yeah. I, know, I just was in agreement with God in that moment of like, I don't want that to happen again. Cause there's going to be another thing, right? Like now my people right. are having babies and you, you go, you just go into that next season of, yep. of longing, right? Like, okay. Well, and we talk about, you know, I talk about in the book, like, you know, you, we really won't ever be okay if we are not okay without the, whatever it is that yeah. we think that we have to have. And again, it, the reason why it's in the hard good is because it is hard. Like I, I, I need to say that over and over again, because 
I'm not tying a pretty bow around this. I'm not saying that it's not going to be, that it's, that it will be easy. But what I am saying is if you want to become and you want to live this life with the perspective that is different, because I think one thing that a lot of us are tired of is just making it, um, just getting by waking up in the morning and feeling like I don't feel any better than the day before. I'm not making any progress. I feel like I'm still sort of stuck in these cycles of envy or, um, you know, whatever the case may be in our life. And I think there are a a lot of us that are tired of that. We're like, I I really want, if I, if I'm going to be living here, (laughs) I don't just want to be existing. It's, It's just too hard to just exist. And so Um, you know, I want to get better and this is the road to getting better. And that, that matters a lot. Yeah. It matters so much. (laughs) And okay. So there's a whole chapter about, about like the people pleaser in us, right? Like, so doing something that God wants, even when it disappoints others, man, this was a chapter that really spoke to me as a pastor's wife, because that's a choice that my husband and I have to make all the time. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, specifically to me too. Like if you think about what is, is normative, we'll say for a Southern Baptist pastor's wife in South Mississippi, I am none of that. Right. And so I am always having to bounce back with like, okay, God, how do you want me to spend my time? What's that supposed to look like? What does that look like in a season where I'm walking beside my husband, but I'm also writing my first book and doing all these things. And so this one really spoke to me and there's a statement you make other people often get blamed for asking us to do too much, but we are the only ones who know where the asks are in conflict with God's leading. It's so good. They can't possibly know that. Right. And so therefore our schedule is ultimately our responsibility. Yeah, it is, but we get stuck so often in yeah. the people pleaser mentality. And so for somebody listening, like, I don't know, this may be easier for you, Lisa, than it is for me, but I struggle here. Like I, sh- yeah. I struggle to not care what other people think. I struggle um, with that piece. And so like biblically, how do we, how do we take those steps forward? And again, I think it's making that choice over and over. Like it might be something I, I always fight, but how do we get better? Yeah. Well, I think people pleasing is hard for everyone. I think uh, there, cer- certainly there's a scale. So there, yeah. you know, some people, some folks struggle more than others. Undoubtedly, we all have our different areas of struggle, right? Yeah. But I think there's one thing that happens with people pleasing, and it's very interesting, and it happens over and over again. And that is that people who are notorious with people pleasing and they really, really struggle with it, they it's always considered uh, on some level a nobility, right? So there is, there is a, there's a piece of people pleasing that feels noble. So it, that's, what's confusing to folks. So it's like, well, you know, there's, there's service attached to this. Well, God is attached to this. Well, um, you know, we're supposed to be kind. So kindness is attached to this and it becomes really convoluted and so we we just are not completely convinced on some level that people pleasing is not great. Like yeah. we, we 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 will we will say it, but but then our calendar says something different. But I, I just can't preach this enough. People pleasing is not about 
other people. It's, 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 it's not, it is, it is about us. It really is. It is about our need to be approved of. It is about our need in some way to, um, uh, you know, feel as though we are doing the work. Um, now I know that's super hard when you've got something in front of you and people very much are, you know, expecting, I have that in air quotes, or, you know, you do have a role to play and ministerial roles are the most difficult to sort through because I know those expectations. I've lived the pastor family life. I get it. You know, they, there are, um, there are expectations that are put on pastors, families that are unfair. They really are. They are, they are too much. They, um, they are roles that, that you wouldn't ask anyone else to play, quite honestly, that uh, result in a lot of burnout. They result in a lot of, um, they result in depression. They result in, uh, you know, uh, to a degree, uh, fam- pastor's families not even really being able to make true friendships. It's, there's, yeah. There are so many things at play. And so if someone's listening and you have pastors in your life, I just could not encourage you enough to please see those folks as normal people uh, that are in a wonderful role that God has entrusted to them, but they are normal people who need to rest and they don't need phone calls all hours of the day and all those things. Don't get me started. Mm-hmm. I'm preaching, but um, it's just a capacity that's not fair for a human. Yeah. Um, but what I will say is that um you know, the, the, the people pleasing aspect is very important that we really drill down on why we're doing what we're doing, uh, what is really happening here and where we really can set important um, guardrails for everybody concerned. Um, I think a lot of the, the, the things live in our head, Rebecca, mm-hmm. a lot of the uh, fears live in our head that we have to do this because And I think that's part of Satan's plan is that he will exhaust us by the fears that live in our head over our great what ifs, which I talk about in chapter one. And I talk about that in kind of a guilt mode, like what if this wouldn't or would have happened? But I think it's also futuristic. Like, what if I don't do this? Mm. Uh, You know, what if I am not who they want me to be? And I think you have to stare those down and say, well, um, what if I just trust God then? And this is, this is what I have the ability to do. This is who I am, you know, and there's something I write in page on page 101. It's, it's, it's a practice of speaking to our soul, which is not a who woo woo practice. It's what the psalmist did. It's what David did. Um, and then I, I give us a little list. It's just a little practical list. It's not, you know, I wouldn't, I don't know if it's Holy Spirit inspired, but it's just a little practical list that I give us just to give us a little start that says, here are some things to think about to even say to our own soul, like, you know, what's really happening right now? And what, you know, what are, what are some things that I need to think about? And so maybe that little list on page 101 will help you really sort through what the weird people pleasing thing is that's happening in your life right now. But it's very important not to get super overwhelmed by stuff, but to take it case by case and say, um, is this really something that I need to be doing? This is about me. 
do I really, am I really just trying to uh, keep all of the balls in the air because I think I somehow control things? And am I, am I questioning, is this a stifling what if that I'm going down a mental road that I don't need to go down? I just need to trust God for this moment. Yeah, that's so good. I haven't thought about that in a long time that we just so celebrate that in the South as well. Yeah. That's yeah. a celebrated thing in the church, I think a lot of times. And so I love that you're really speaking um, so much truth into that. I, I will have, you know, this will make you so happy. I dropped my husband off about three hours ago at the airport and he is going on this compassion trip this week out West to go fly fishing with a bunch of other pastors yeah. at this ranch where he will have no cell service for the next five Good. days. Good. And I remember when he came home after the first meeting and we were talking and he, he told me, he was like, like, they told us like, we're not going to have cell service. And I was like, you're kidding. That's the best news <laughs> I've heard all day. I'm so excited for you. Not that I don't want to talk to you, but like, go have fun in the woods and you need like, that. on Friday. So that's right. That's yeah, right. So, so excited for him. Um, well, I'll close this with kind of, I'd love for you to just share Lisa, like as you are going through this launch and you have underwent so much heart work to, to get this message to us, like, What's your biggest hope for readers as they walk away from the book? Like, what's your prayer? Mm. Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I think my prayer would be that that people would begin to see the good again, mm-hmm. that they would be able to see it differently, though. Uh, that they would uh, that they would be able to clear away what maybe the mantras of the world are about what good is, and they would begin to see it from a spiritual perspective, yeah. um, and really um, lean into what God has, even through the last two years, even through their own hard circumstances, but really see good for what it is. Let it be. I love it. So good. Well, I am so thrilled about this new message for friends who um, are just kind of tuning in or you didn't catch the title at the beginning. It's called The Hard Good. I'm so thrilled for you, Lisa. And I just can't wait to see how this book continues to impact lives as it gets out into the world. So before we, well, what we're going to do now is hop on over to our Patreon page and get to know Lisa a little bit better, which will be really fun. So if you are a subscribed patron, make sure you listen to our bonus episode with her. But for now, Lisa, I'm so grateful for you. And I just want to thank you for your time today. Thank you, Rebecca. Thanks so much for listening to the show, friends. I am so thrilled to have you be a part of this community. A couple of things I want to remind you of. Number one, did you know that when people rate and review podcasts on Apple Podcasts, it actually helps more people come across the show? When that happens, the messages we're sharing get spread even further and we get to encourage more people. How fun is that? So it would mean the world to me if you would do something that would take two minutes or really less of your time. Hop on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a rating and a written review. Tell me how the show is encouraging you and invite others to listen in. It truly means the world to this girl on the other side. And number two, if you are loving the show and you want even more content from Radical Radiance, hop on over to our Patreon page on your desktop or mobile device to listen to after the show bonus interviews, attend live Zoom parties, extra coaching, all the things, they're all there. So simply download the Patreon app 
and search Radical Radiance. Goodness, I would love to see you over there in that community. I just want to thank you one more time for listening today. And I can't wait to be back with you next episode. Same time, same place. So for now, let's go girls.